Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Doug is here. DougOster.com special guest waiting in the wings as the organic gardener. The curtain comes up for another Sunday, this being Sunday, January 28th. And it is raining outside later on. A little rain that's going to change the sleet, ice, and possible snow. But we're going to warm you up with some incredible conversation between now and eight o'clock let's start off though if you're the 10th caller you're going to be able to take home a 25 dollar gift certificate this will put a smile on your face from the folks at sorgles out in wexford the number to dial is 412-922-1020 412-922-1020 the 10th caller wins that gift certificate from sorgles and now the star of the show Mr. Doug Oster. Well, let's start off and just say happy birthday a day early. Thank you very much. Six Gosh, years, yeah, 77, years. right? No, six, oh, 67. Jeez. Uh, you yeah. look good for that. Yeah, you look I good for I should have just 67. said thank you and we should have moved on because I knew <laughs> I wasn't going to be able to get a word in. Yeah, 67 years young, 1957 on a January night. A little after Oof. seven in the evening at Rochester General Hospital, my dad went, finally, after five <laughs> girls, I got a boy. Four girls, actually. But anyway, I'm here, and we're here, and we've got some really good stuff coming up. Yeah. Uh, waiting on the line is my friend Hank Brinzer. He is the subject of a new short documentary uh, called Hive, which is uh, really cool. Hank and I have known each other for a long time. Can't wait to talk to him, but we've got a little bit of work to do before we get to him. I am working on getting an interview about this new disease-resistant tomato, which was just released. Um, this is really an interesting story. This plant pathology professor uh, from WVU, he's been retired for 30 years, Manon Galligly uh, from WVU, 101 years old, and he has created his fourth and final tomato called Manon's Majesty and the big thing about it is it's resistant to septoria leaf spot, which is one of those things that gets you in the summer where the, the tomato starts to go brown and yellow on the bottom with spots and work its way up. It's one of the major diseases that home gardeners deal with. And this plant is also uh, resi- resistant to versarium um, wilt, verisillum wilt, and late blight. And the university is giving away free seeds if they're still available. And I've got all that information at DougOster.com. I just posted my latest story for Pittsburgh Earth Day's Green Voice newsletter, which is all the cool things I found at the Mid-Atlantic Nursery Trade Show. And I had a dog disaster. I've been giving away 3945 seeds. These were the seeds that were found on the battlefield of World War II by a Pittsburgher. And I... We have a new puppy named Rocco, and I went outside for just 10 minutes. When I came back in, that big bag that I've been working five years 
at getting enough seeds so I can send them out and and let people grow them out, and then they send them back to me. Well, that's that bag was li- sitting in the middle of the living room, and there were seeds everywhere, and I was upset, <laughs> as you can imagine. So I got as many of the seeds together as I could, and I might I had five thousand. Now I think I've got about five hundred. So I need your help. If you grew out 3945 and happen to have some extra seeds, I could certainly use them. And if you're interested in growing 3945 with the idea that you grow it, you can enjoy the tomatoes, but take one of those tomatoes, save the seeds, and send them back to me. I would appreciate it. Again, I've got that all posted at DougOster.com. One more thing before we get to Hank. Check out my free weekly online classes Thursday at 5 p.m., For Farm to Table, buy fresh, buy local. This week, it's all about winter seed sowing, both indoors and out. And now I want to welcome to the show my friend, Hank Brinzer. He is the subject of a a documentary called Hive, uh, which has its world premiere next Sunday, 2 p.m. at the Lindsay Theater in Sewickley. And Hank, I was looking at... uh, my records and the first story I ever did on you, or maybe the only story, was back in 2012. And you tell me if I have this right. I think we met at Janoski's, and I found out that you were growing things with aquaponics. Does that all sound right? That certainly does, Doug. And since I the- didn't realize, I didn't realize it was that long. <laughs> yeah, and since then we've been friends. Uh, Hank is actually he is he's a man's man. He he knows how to use uh, you know power saws and all that sort of thing. I've been out to his place. He helped me make some fishing lures, and uh, I know that he is a dedicated beekeeper. And, and Hank, how did this documentary come uh, to fruition? Well, uh, it's kind of interesting because uh, my nephew, Ryan, who is a videographer, uh, came out one day here, uh, I guess a year ago, a year and a half ago or so, and he says he wanted to get some pictures of the bees. And he told me before he started, he says, well, you know, I'm kind of afraid of bees and I don't want to get stung. <laughs> <laughs> so he came out and took some pictures from about 30 yards away from them and then we started talking about it, and he says maybe we can uh, put some kind of documentary together. So for the last, oh, I guess, year, year and a half, we've been working on it. Uh, last summer was just, uh, um, we were here constantly. And guys would come up at 8 o'clock in the morning. They'd leave at 4 o'clock, three or four times during the summer. But um, well worth it, well worth it. So how did you get into the bees? <laughs> wow, another unusual story. Um I don't look at it as a, I don't look at it as a coincidence, but a lot of things happened during this process. Whoops, Back in two thousand, and I think it was go? somewhere. Where did he go? What's that? Oh, there you are. There you we are. just lost you for a second. Go ahead. That's so, okay. go ahead with your bee uh, story. Okay, back in 2010, I read an article that we were losing our bees, and I'm figuring, well, hey, I'm a rookie. I don't know anything, but I certainly would nice to, you know, help them out a little bit. They had this problem going on. It was called colonial collapse disorder, and they were losing them. So uh, long story short, I got a hive. I had somebody come in and try to help me, and uh, not realizing that uh, this was uh, more than I anticipated. So I started reading about them, and reading about them, and to this very day, I must read at least two or three articles a day about bees. So uh, I've gone from one hive to somewhere around... 14 right now <laughs> <laughs> and at one point you had built a uh like a bee shack is that still in operation 
absolutely, absolutely. I'll sometimes I'll raise young bees or what's called the nuke, uh, just a small starter set, and I'll take it and I'll put it in my bee shack there, and uh, that way I can take a pretty close look at them, keep them out of the harsh winter and stuff like that there. And then in the springtime, I'll take them and then move them into a bigger hive. But, uh, yeah, that's my little bee shack down there. That's my getaway. <laughs> and uh, when we see this documentary, like I said, it's next free. You can go there for free next Sunday, but you have to register 2 p.m., Lindsay Theater in Sewickley. When we uh, watch this documentary, what are we going to see? Well, uh, you're basically going to see uh, pretty much the, uh, uh, the whole process of beekeeping. Uh, they've got some... Very interesting pictures and from the inside of the hive. Um, they've got some audio of actually the bees inside and uh, buzzing and stuff like that there. They're going to see some honey processing, how we do it by hand. Uh, I don't want to call myself an organic guy, but I'll tell you, I just uh, I know a little bit more about honey than I did, say, 10 or 15 years ago. And uh, I, I process raw honey, period. We take it out of the hive, we put it in a jar, and, and we sell it. So uh, I'm not in beekeeping for the money. Uh, I just love the animals. Yeah, and talk a little bit about that raw honey. That is a different thing. You know, we see this, I see this all the time, almost every day online, where people are sending messages and uh, about honey that's not honey, that comes from other countries and it's got filled with corn syrup and all sorts of crazy stuff but raw honey it never goes bad absolutely uh, the other thing that uh, it's uh, we'll talk real quick about raw honey you don't process it you don't put corn syrup in it you do not heat it up uh, raw honey is good for cuts it's good for burns it's cover your teeth with it you can uh, put it in your eyes and all that kind of stuff. I've used it for everything. Uh, but uh, the, uh, the the issue is that uh, I guess there's a lot of people selling honey that's been processed and basically they heat it up. Once you heat it over 120 degrees, you've just gotten rid of everything that was good in that honey, everything. And that's uh, that's unfortunate. All right, Hank, hang in there. I want you to stay uh Stay around for the break. When we come back, we'll talk more to Hank Brinzer. He is the subject of a new short documentary called Hive, which will be playing next Sunday at 2 p.m. at the Lindsay Theater in Sewickley. All right, coming back with these gentlemen in just a couple of moments. It's a Sunday morning in the Organic Gardener. Doug Oster is on the air at KDKA. All right, back with Doug Oster and his special guest as we continue on The Organic Gardener on KDKA. That's right. We are back with Hank Brinzer. He is the subject of a documentary which is running free. It's called Hive, next Sunday, 2 p.m., Lindsay Theater in Swickley. Then, February 17th at the Western Allegheny Library. Do you know the, the time that that's going to be on on February 17th, Hank? The one on uh, the library, I think, is at 10 o'clock in the morning. Okay. That's when we're going to start. What do these bees do for you in the garden? Wow. Make my gardening a, uh, a, a place of uh, rest and relaxation. <laughs> mm. uh, I know they pollinate a lot for me, but I've got a little stool or a little bench down there, and uh, I guess two or three times during the summer I'll just go down and I'll sit at that bench and I'll watch these girls work. Mm. Uh it's so it's so amazing. 
for me, it's just unbelievable to watch them and how hard they work. And the neatest thing is that if I'm sitting out there and we're getting some kind of weather coming in, like a rain or something like that, the bees know it before I do because I can tell thousands of bees coming back and heading for the hive. Pretty smart creatures. Oh, yeah. And how did you get into gardening? Oh, my goodness. Uh, I'd have to go way back to when my mom used to make me <laughs> dig up. We lived in McKees Raw or Moon Run, and my mom would take me out and say, okay, I want you to turn this row over here and dig this up, and we're going to plant this here and plant that there. Um, I got married, and we ended up with a little place out here in Clinton, and um, I guess I just I had to have the stuff fresh out of the garden. And are you still doing the aquaponics? I do, I'm doing it partially, yes. Uh, it usually is a spring thing for me now with so much going on. Uh, I have two tanks that I've, I've, I was building, or I have built in there, and I'll, uh, I'll get them started. Uh, uh, some week I'd like you to come out and just <laughs> direct me on how I should plant these things. <laughs> <laughs> I'm directing you. I think you should direct me. I get them started and I get them out there and uh, I had some Brussels sprouts this year which I was just amazed at I had trouble with the bugs but uh, overall they were pretty good and I still got some carrots out there to pull out of the garden from the winter oh that's uh, awesome talk a little yes. bit of, talk a little bit about aquaponics what is that well basically you get a fish tank and the, the, the deposits from the fish uh, will I'll pump them up into a trough and then the uh, plants are in there will absorb this water with the fish waste in it and in fact kind of clean the water a little bit and then it goes back into the tank for the fish. So just I'll recycle it, oh, maybe uh, once a day or once every other day or so. So it keeps the fish growing. So by the end of springtime, I'll take these little goldfish and I'll take them down to my pond and... um, they'll live out their life down in the pond. <laughs> so back to the bees, back to the documentary. Did the film crew get over their fear of bees? Because anyone who works with bees, you know, they just they have this love of the bees and they don't have fear of the sting. You know, you might get a sting here and there, but how about the film crew? Well, surprisingly, uh, I think the first day we had about seven guys out here, uh, Everything from a sign person to a cameraman to, you know, lights and things like that. And um, they, we had one guy go right up next to the hive and start taking pictures. Of course, he had a veil and everything on. Mm-hmm. Um, during all this filming we did, uh, only one person got stung, and that was me. <laughs> 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 it was funny. I was down there without a veil. And, and sometimes I like to go down there without a veil because I, I just... Uh, I think I can appreciate them more, I guess. And uh, I got stung, like, right between the eyes. And I says, wait, wait, let me scrape this out. So I scraped it out, and all was good. But nobody got stung, so that was a good thing. What kind of advice would you give to gardeners who are considering raising bees? And talk a little bit about that it's not as easy as you might think, but maybe not as hard as you might think if you have a love for it. Well, the biggest and I mean, the biggest mistake I made in getting into bees is I had no idea what I was getting into, and I did not 
read enough about them. And I think that's the most important part. There is so much to learn about these, so much. There's uh, when are they going to be brewed? Are they going to swarm? Uh, what, do you, what are the signs you got to look for? How do you treat them? Uh, just so much. Um, and everybody always says, if you're going to put a beehive in, put two in. And the reason behind that is, is you can use a little bit of comparison. Is this one flying more than the other one? Is this one here a little bit more aggressive? So um, there's just so much. But the, the bottom line is read, read, read. There's a lot of good books available. Um, I think I, right now my library consists of about 40 books about beekeeping. Um, some of them are very technical. Uh, and some of them are just basic. Hey, you got to do this. You got to do this. You got to do this. So that's uh, that would be my advice. Uh, read about them. Yeah, or or you know, take a class too. There's uh, some great beekeepers out there, like our friend Steve Rapaski, that try and help people. He's my bee mentor. Um, yes. With your bees, how how are your bees doing? And are they making it over the winter in general? Well. Uh, Winters are always a challenge for for me, anyways. Uh, the uh, we had a uh, a cold spell there, and uh, I was kind of worried. I'm one of those guys that I I just like to let the bees do what the bees do. I'm not going to wrap my hives with insulation and stuff like that. Uh, they're close enough together that I'll put some straw in between the two hives, but. Um, I know, let's see, this was last week, we hit some 50-degree weather, and um, I was very anxious to go down and see what was going on, and uh, all the hives were flying. Um, they go out on a, during the winter, they go out on a cleansing flight, and that's, uh, that 50-degree weather comes in, they will be out flying. Uh, so that's, uh, they uh, they get through. If you prepare them enough and make sure that they don't have any disease or any problems with mites or stuff like that they're late in the fall then and also big important factor leave a hundred pounds of honey in the hive they need something to eat to stay warm well believe it or not hank uh two days ago i saw the bees out at my hellebores uh you know looking for nectar and uh pollen which Whenever I see them out, you know, like you said, for those cleansing flights, they're also looking around a little bit for something to eat, too, and it's nice to have something in bloom right now. You know, before we get uh, done with this interview, Hank, tell me what you get out of doing this. What What is the, what is the, the main thing that you enjoy about raising your bees? Wow. <laughs> I, I, uh, that's a good question, Doug. <laughs> I think number one uh, is probably uh, satisfaction, uh, and uh, geez, I, I guess uh, to get a little off base with this thing, uh, I just kind of thank uh, the good Lord for giving me uh, the opportunity to care for some of His creatures. Well, Hank, I'm gonna Hank. Hank, I'm gonna leave it right there. I'm sure we will see each other soon. I do have to come out there and see what you're doing. You can see Hank as a subject of the documentary Hive next Sunday, 2 p.m. The Lindsay Theater in Sewickley. All that information is at dougoster.com. You get a link right to the theater where you can 
register to see this uh, short documentary. And I, the uh, trailer is cool, uh, and there's a cool poster. It's just a lot of fun. So, Hank, thanks so much for joining us so early in the morning. What are we doing next? Uh, ben Dunnigan, the director of horticulture from Phipps Conservatory and Botanic Garden, is here to talk all about the orchid and tropical bonsai show. And, man, the show is phenomenal. Oh, you just... I spent a day there just looking at those orchids. Uh, I can't wait to talk to Ben about it. From crockpot to air fryers and pressure cookers. All those recipes next hour with Frank Dentisi on the Coons Cooking Hour with your Pratt Pack on KDKA Pittsburgh. Back on the Organic Garden. Before we get to our next star-studded guest, if you're the 10th caller, you're going to win a $25 gift certificate to Janoski's in Clinton. Number to dial, 412-922-1020. And now, here's your host, Doug Oster. We are welcoming to the show Ben Dunnigan. He's the director of horticulture at Phipps. Ben and I go way back. We're talking about the Orchid and Tropical Bonsai Show, which is running now through March 3rd. Yes, March 3rd. I was, for some reason, Ben, I had May in my mind, but that'll be the spring show. So good morning, <laughs> Ben. How are you? Hey, I'm I'm fine, Doug. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. And I'll tell you what, I got out to the Orchid and Tropical Bonsai Show, and man, I'm telling you what, it is a just a beautiful show. Tell people what they'll see when they walk into that palm court. It is a beautiful, beautiful show. Well, yeah, I'd actually like to start in the Welcome Center, Doug. Uh, we put together this really neat display. I mean, how do you, the, the question is, how do you display, you know, Orchid and Bonsai together? And we really wanted to kind of lean into that a little bit. Uh, the theme is Into the Mist. I'll start off with that. And, and you're basically, there's lots of, you know, uh, mist effects in, in each of the rooms. But when you walk into the uh, Welcome Center, there's a, a rotating uh, carousel that has a, a, a bonsai on display on one side and an orchid display on another side. So if you're standing there not paying attention, you'll look over and it'll change on you, <laughs> right in front of you. And then a palm court is, uh, of course, our marquee room where you enter. And, and we um, we put together a, a, a waterfall uh, scene right in the center of the room with these misting effects that come down. And on each side of the, the waterfall, we put two cascading bonsai that go down either side with just, you know, hundreds of paphipedilum and uh, Miltonopsis orchids right there in the center. So really, really special little display there. Let's talk a little bit about the bonsai. The orchids kind of get all the (laughs) attention because they are so stunning, and we'll talk a lot about orchids. But those bonsai trees on display in the serpentine room go way back, don't they? Oh, yeah, they sure do. Yeah, our bonsai collection is one of our, you know, the most, significant collections we have um they a lot of them were started by the the master the late uh, keith scott who was a um just a legend in the bonsai circles and uh and then uh was cared for by some other uh great masters today we have alex spiro is uh as our current bonsai uh, horticulturist and he does a great job um but this year is is something where we kind of had a little bit of a coming out party Actually, in uh, 2023, it was the very first year we actually took bonsai to the national show, which is held up in Rochester, New York, every other year. And it's a great honor to even get accepted to, to display at, display there. And we, were, uh, we, were, we brought two bonsai to the show, and it was just really neat to, to kind of be part of this community with you know, people from all over the world, 
uh, presenting and displaying, and of course the the greats of, of North America. And people were bringing bonsai all the way from Puerto Rico, Doug. It was wow. it was incredible. Yeah, it was really really incredible. Well, but I got just to have Go ahead. have those that opportunity to to do that and be part of that was was really cool. Well, I got to see Alex working while I was there, and so I actually posted some pictures of him doing his thing and his had his little toolkit open and. I tell you what, there's there's something about watching somebody carefully trimming a bonsai, you know, or bonsai. Um, how do you say it? You know, what's the right way to say it's, it's it, Ben? Actually, it's actually bonsai, yeah, okay. like a bone, like a dog bone. All right. And uh, and that's, you know, the Japanese term for it's basically garden in a tray is basically the, the translation there. Um, but, yeah, bonsai is how you say it. So let's talk about the orchids. What what do you think it is that can, that just fascinates us about orchids uh, when i go in there you know i'm looking for the fragrance i'm looking for the beauty uh even you know even off uh the orchid show when I, that time in that orchid room is so f- special when i bring people from out of town and we go to phipps the orchid room might be well it's certainly one of the stars but now with orchids all over the conservatory what do you think it is that that just makes us so excited when we see orchids well, you know, orchids are really a neat uh, plant family. They're one of the largest in, in the world, um, you know, around 30,000 true species. And then there's many, many tens of thousands more hybrids. But what's really neat about them is that they, they're in what's the group called angiosperms, which is a flowering plant. And they are like the most evolved of all angiosperms. And in fact, all orchids require a pollinator. So the entire thing, uh, there's no wind-pollinated orchids. Of all those orchids I just mentioned, the thousands and thousands of species, they have evolved to attract something to pollinate them. You know, Mm. whether it's a little bee or a bat or a moth, and the diversity of pollinators is is very wide in orchids. But that's what orchids do. They're, They're growing the entire time trying to get something's attention. Look at me, look at me, come over here. I want to, you know, I've got some food for you. I've got, maybe I'm fragrant. And I don't know if you've no, ever noticed this, Doug, but do you ever notice how the the really showy visual orchids, they don't usually smell. Yeah. And then some sometimes the really little teeny ones that don't, you don't like catch your eye right away, those are the most fragrant. It's the It's the plant basically putting its energy towards one thing or the other, and, and it, it, that's what it does to get its pollinator there. Well, back in the day when I visited, I was introduced to an orchid there, like you said, a, a little one. And again, I don't, I don't know how, you know, the names or anything of the orchids, but it smelled like chocolate. And, and any time that I see that one on display at Phipps, I'm always going up to it. And you wouldn't expect it to smell, have this amazing fragrance. But boy, like you said... <laughs> It, it is amazing once you get up close to them. Now, can you give us some tips on growing orchids? Uh, they they have a reputation of being fussy, but can we grow them at home in the windowsill? Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I grow orchids, um, you know, at home, and, and my mother does, and a lot of people I, I know do. I you know I I think you know unless you've got a greenhouse you need to kind of stick with a few uh, particular varieties, you know, your Phalaenopsis, um, Oncidiums, Dendrobiums. Those are probably the three that I would recommend to, to somebody who's kind of just starting out. And then I'd also say these are what are called epiphytes, Doug. So they're, 
they're not designed to grow in soil. They grow in their native environment on trees. And that's why when you buy an orchid, you see that it's planted up in that in that bark. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. You yeah. Know. So you just really, you can't think that you're going to, you know, water it the same way. And uh, so typically when I'm watering my orchids, they do like high humidity. That's another challenge. So a good place to keep them if you have good light is your bathroom because you're getting in there, you're showering, you know, let's hope hopefully once a day. And you're basically <laughs> kicking that humidity up and, and they really like that. But you really need to saturate those uh, roots by running water through them or some people will submerge them in a bowl of water for, you know, 10 or 15 minutes and then just let them adequately dry out. That's that's what they like to do. And Ben, once and for all, I need to know from the expert, what about the ice cube thing with uh, orchids? They say put three ice cubes on once a week, good or bad? I don't recommend that. Yeah, the, the temperature of the ice as it melts is just too cold for them. They, these things, you know, they evolve in the tropics. So that never in their, you know, evolution would they have ice around them. So I think that that's kind of a uh, a little, you know, tip for people who maybe don't want to take the time to water them frequently. And they think, oh, I can just put some ice cubes on the on the roots and then, and then walk away and I'm done. Uh, but at Phipps, we would not do that. All right. Good. I'm glad to hear that from the expert. And before I let you go, what do you hope that people get out of their time uh, coming to see the Orchid and Tropical Bonsai show there at the conservatory? Well, more than anything, I hope they, uh, you know, get the opportunity to kind of just relax and enjoy the the nice, warm, humid, misty air in, mm. in the conservatory. And, you know, this time of year, we all know it's, you know, Christmas and the holidays is over, but spring is still a little ways away. We, we've got another month and a half, really, before it truly starts to warm up. And so sometimes it's, you know, it's hard to kind of, you know, feel positive and with all <laughs> these cloudy days that we have. And But you can come on into Phipps and, you know, see see beautiful displays and almost feel like you're in, you know, Ecuador or even Japan. So I think that's what I would like, like them to get out of it. Maybe they'll learn something, too. That'd oh, be even right. Ben, thanks so much. It was great to catch up with you. Next time I'm at Phipps, we'll have to hook up and look around a little bit together. Thanks for uh, all the information on the Orchid and Tropical Bonsai Show at Phipps. Runs through March 3rd. Back with some more with the Organic Gardener, Doug Oster on KDK in just a couple of moments. All right, back on the Organic Gardeners, and here's Dan, who's got a question for Doug on KDK. Good morning, Dan. Hey, Dan. Morning, guys. How's it going? Good. Everything's good. Great. Uh, I've got a service berry that uh, took a little bit of um, uh, some problems during one of the windstorms, and now it's kind of leaning uh, like a 75, 80 degree angle. Uh, I don't see any roots coming up, uh, but so should I just stake it or should I call Davy? How old is it? It's about four or five years old. If it was me, I would I would bring it back up and stake it when the you know this is a perfect time. The ground is soft like that, and Otherwise, it's going to stay like that, you know, and I don't think there's anything you could do to hurt it. You would just want to be sure that you don't, when you are staking it, that you're doing it in a way that you're not going to be cutting into the bark. And so, you know, there's all sorts of different ways. There's like, there's special, it's called arbor tie, but it's just kind of like a, uh, it looks like a hatchet strap. You know what I'm talking about? Like kind of a nylon strap. You just don't want you know, something like a, a wire or something that would cut into the, the bark. 
and yeah, have somebody help you bring it back up to uh, where it's supposed to be. Put steaks on like three sides, you know, and those only have to stay on maybe a few months. And then, because you want the plant to be able to move on its own, and then once it gets established, you'll be you'll be good to go. Your service berry is a great tree. Is it uh, putting berries on for you? Oh yeah. Although the birds get to them before I do. See, that's the same thing with me. Uh, I see those berries on there, and then uh, two days later, they're gone. I, I you know I'm running. You know that's a busy time in in the garden. And so, what made you put the service berry in? You know, it was a free giveaway from the Soil and Water District. And um, I just thought that I'd try something different. Well, it's a cool tree, that's for sure. Yeah, get that thing straight and you'll, you'll be fine. You know, a service berry is really a tough native tree. And I don't think you need uh, an arborist for this one. And you'll be fine, Dan. So thanks so much for the call. I sure appreciate it. A couple of minutes left. What else is on your mind? Well, uh I'm getting already messages about daffodils and other bulbs poking up. And I just want to remind people that there are no worries and don't go out there and cover them. They've done this for centuries. You know, I tell this story all the time. I've got these daffodils that I inherited and they're in this like hell strip between the house and the sidewalk. And they get all that heat from the house and they always come up way too early. And, but they always bloom, you know, they always do their thing. And so just let the bulbs do their thing. It's okay. Uh, don't panic. And like I said, I'm getting lots of messages. People who are panicking because they know it's too early. Uh, but they're, they're, the buds aren't up. That's that's what we're, we'd be most concerned with, you know, is seeing the buds. Because once the buds emerge, if it gets really cold, they'll freeze out. But that does, that's not going to kill the plant. You know, daffodils we always talk about. That's why you grow like early, mid, and late season daffodils because sometimes the early ones – even mid-season, they'll they'll come up, they'll be budded, and then you get really cold, and, and they'll be done for the year, but they, it's not killing them. They'll come back next year. But then the next round, you want to uh, uh, get, you know, enjoy those blooms. So lots of different daffodils. I still have daffodils to plant. I told you I ordered those ones from Easy to Grow. In fact, I saw and I, uh, some daffodils still available at Easy to Grow. If you were so inclined, you could stick them in. Uh, it would be no big deal. The garlic is up, which is good news. Uh, I was really surprised to see that, though, through a very, very thick layer uh, of straw. And But again, that's another thing. There's no worries. Yes, it's going to get really cold, but gar- the garlic can take it. And then one of the exciting things in the garden, and I posted this on my Facebook page, is the witch hazel is blooming. And I have a, a variety, and it's called Diane. And it has these little red flowers that are just stunning. You know, the the native witch hazel is is a yellow flower, which is very beautiful. Uh, But Diane is just wonderful with these uh, red flowers. And then when we were talking uh, to Hank about the bees, this plant called hellebore. And there's a bunch of different types of hellebores. This is Helleborus niger. They call it the Christmas rose or the winter rose. And it's still looking great. Again, I posted this morning on Facebook showing that some of the flowers are still pure white. Like middle middle of the winter after nine degree day days, you know, those flowers are still there. That's why it's such a wonderful plant. And when I was at the Mid-Atlantic Nursery Trade Show, I found a grower that's willing to sell me some hellebores cheap, the Helleborus niger, because you can't get it in the nurseries. And I'm going to get some nurseries to carry this so you can get this plant. It's evergreen. It starts blooming in the winter. 
you know, like I said, right now in in end of January, I've got flowers out in the garden. Somebody came over to the garden for lunch uh, a couple days ago. We were out walking, and she's like, "What is that?" I said, "That's that's a hellebore, and you know, this is a certain type of hellebore that blooms during the winter." Again, you know, this plant is sold as a holiday plant to be discarded after three weeks, which is a crime. It's a, a crime against horticulture. I want to get hellebores into some nurseries. At a really discounted price, you know, yeah, they're, they're going to make money, but, I, you know, uh, that's going to happen. So anyway, uh, check out DougOster.com for my free online weekly classes. And remember, organic gardeners, you make our world brighter and safer with each seed you sow and every garden you grow. All right, Doug, good stuff. See you next week. Stay with us right after that news at 8. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.